Hello and welcome to Sake Revolution, America's first sake podcast. I am your host, John Puma from the Sake Notes, also the administrator at the Internet Sake Discord, and our resident sake nerd. And I'm your host, Timothy Sullivan. I'm a sake samurai, sake educator, as well as the founder of the Urban Sake website. And together, John and I will be tasting and chatting about all things sake and doing our best to make it fun and easy to understand. That's right, Tim. Now, we have gone over Junmai and, and R10 and, and what all that means. That was for uh, people keeping count at home. That's episodes uh, four and five uh, of our show. A very, very long time ago, Tim. So we went through all that. We went through their classifications, the Ginjo, the Daiginjo, what that all means. And uh, But, uh, Tim, there's a bottle in my hand, and it says something that is not exactly just a Junmai. Um it says mm. something a little bit different. So I think we need to take a little stroll, a little walk, and then we're going to have a seat in the sake education corner. And uh, we're going to suss this all out because this bottle says tokubetsu. Ah, tokubetsu. Well, you know, we could sum this whole sake education corner up in just one word. Mm -hmm. Tokubetsu means special. That's it. Tim, we need more than that. This is going to be a really short episode if we don't do more. <laughs> Tell me there's more to it. Well, the word tokubetsu literally means special. Mm -hmm. And we could end the education corner there. But it's really interesting because on the one hand, tokubetsu means special. Mm -hmm. And there's a kind of a industry-wide understanding of what a tokubetsu or a special sake means. But then there's also what the letter of the law or what the regulations actually say about tokubetsu. Mm. So why don't we like dive in a little bit and, and pick this apart? Because tokubetsu is something that you're going to see on the label when you uh, buy certain sakes. And the sake that you have, you mentioned, is a, a tokubetsu sake as well. Right, right. So I'm all right. So I'm going to have a seat. All right. I'm, <laughs> Get comfy. I'm comfortable. I'm now I am ready to learn. You mentioned about Junmai before, and to sell a sake as a Junmai, there's a legal requirement about what the ingredients have to be, right? No added alcohol, rice, water, koji only. Or if you call a sake a, a honjozo, you know, you need to mill the rice down to 70% or less remaining, and you have to add distilled alcohol. So th there's rules and regulations written into the law about certain words that we use to describe sake. Yeah, we, we went we went over all of this. There there are there are rules, like you mentioned. There are there are hard and fast rules. Yeah, tokubetsu means special. And a brewer can apply this word to any sake where they do a, a different or unique or special process on the sake. Hmm. So, <laughs> so anything special? <laughs> so I'll give you what the industry understanding of this term is. Okay. So 99 times out of 100, when a brewer labels a sake as tokubetsu, what they're really saying is that they polish the rice to a smaller size. So, for example, if you make a tokubetsu honjozo, mm -hmm. the minimum to be a honjozo is 70% or less remaining, right? Right. So if you go down to, let's say, 55 remaining instead of 70. That's right. a significant difference. So right. that could be a tokubetsu honjozo because you've milled the rice to a much smaller size than the bare minimum you need to get into a category. But we have a name for the for sakes that are, are milled down to 55% and, and have alcohol added, and that's ginjo. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
You got right to the heart of it. So, <laughs> so sometimes you make a sake, it could qualify for a higher grade, but you downgrade yourself and you make a really luxurious example of a, a different lower grade. Hmm. Well, we did talk a little bit about how, uh, based on the flavor profile that a brewery is going for with a given sake, they might choose to utilize another classification that they are qualified for. Like, for example, if you can have a Genjo and you choose to say it's a Honchozo still, that's fine. But uh, apparently you can also say Tokubetsu on top of that. Yes, exactly. The way it most often shakes out is that if you make a Junmai sake that technically could be a Junmai Ginjo based on the milling rate, but you still sell it as a Junmai, technically the lower grade, you can add a Tokubetsu to that to indicate that there's something special or different about that sake that may be a little bit more than you would be expecting. So if you see something called a tokubetsu junmai or a special junmai, I always first look at the milling rate to see how low it is. Mm. So when we look at this milling rate, we want to look at two things. First, junmai and honjozo. So according to the regulations, Junmai has no minimum milling requirement. But to qualify for a Tokubetsu or a special Junmai, we're looking at Junmai Ginjo quality. So that would be 60% or less remaining. So to qualify for a Tokubetsu Junmai, we're generally looking at 60% or less remaining. And for Honjozo, the rules are 70% or less remaining. And again, Honjozo is the alcohol added style. So if you have 60% or less remaining, what would normally be a Ginjo sake, again, the alcohol added style, 60% or less remaining, you also have the option of calling a sake like that a Tokubetsu Honjozo or a special Honjozo. So does that mean if you take a, a Ginjo, and you mill it down to 45%, but for whatever reason, you still want to call it a Ginjo. Can that be a Tokubetsu Ginjo? Yes, it can. Oh. Uh, but that's that's not common. I've heard of Tokubetsu Daiginjos really? as well. I honestly yeah. have never seen it used for anything that wasn't a Junmai or Honjozo. That's very interesting. I didn't know that. Yes, but 99 times out of 100, it will be applied to the Junmai and the Honjozo grade. So Tokubetsu Junmai, Tokubetsu Honjozo... This kind of lives in that zone, hovering between Junmai and Junmai Ginjo mm -hmm. and Honjozo and Ginjo. So in between those two layers for both the pure rice and the alcohol added style, you can have this special grade, this uh, Tokubetsu Junmai, Tokubetsu Honjozo. Hmm. We, we're talking a lot about rice milling here, but Tokubetsu doesn't have to do necessarily with rice milling. Well, what else could it be? Well, the next most common scenario to use this term tokubetsu is if you use a special sake rice to make your sake. So if it's a sake rice that is uh, not your usual or something that's really, really premium or unique, that's another time you can bring in this term tokubetsu. And the regulations also say that if you do something else special to the sake, something that's an approved production step, you can list that on the label and then call your sake tokubetsu, but you don't see that as much. It's more either the rice milling is at a ginjo or a junmai ginjo level, or the rice that you used was special or unique for making that sake. 
All right. Well, as I mentioned earlier, I do have a bottle in my hand that, that features the word tokubetsu on it, tokubetsu junmai. Tim, I understand that even though we completely just uh, randomly had this bottle handy, I understand that you have also have one right near you. <laughs> it's such a coincidence, but I do have a tokubetsu junmai with me as well. It's amazing. So why don't, why don't we introduce our sakes, John? You, you can go ahead and go first. Sure, sure. So the name of this sake is uh, Mimurusugi uh, Tsuyu Hakaze, and that is actually the name of the rice that's used. It's a tokubetsu junmai from Nara Prefecture. That's a little south of Kyoto, if I'm not mistaken. And it's made by Imenishi Shuzo. All right. Yeah. I'm a big fan of this brewery's sake. And what do you have? The sake that I have is called Taka, Mm -hmm. Tokubetsu Junmai. The English name here is Noble Arrow. This is a brewery that is from Yamaguchi Prefecture. That's in the far west of the main island of Japan. And the brewery name is Nagayama Honke Shuzojo. Now, the current brewery president, his name is Takahiro Nagayama. And you may notice that the brand name of this sake is Taka, and that's the first part of his first name, Takahiro. And one thing that really differentiates this brewery from other breweries is that they have started an agricultural business as well, and they've begun to grow estate-grown sake rice, especially Yamada Nishiki. So they've dedicated acreage around their brewery to grow sake rice that they use in making their own sake. That's interesting. Since uh, you're telling us all about these uh, special sakes, why don't you open your special sake first? All right. So I'm going to go ahead and open up this taka. And I'm going to give it a pour. All right. Mm. Smells good. Mm. So what are you, th- what are you thinking? Uh, what's, what are you picking up on the aroma? Well, you know, I read some information about this brewery, and one of the key words that came across for this sake was minerality. Mm. And you really get a sense for that in the aroma when you think of, like, slate or stone little bit of a minerality driven note on the aroma overall it's very restrained and light but very engaging there's a, just a hint of fruitiness there as well hmm. not much overt rice and not even any kind of like a lactic or dairy character but some gentle fruit but a little bit of a minerality note on the aroma really really lovely let me give it a taste sure mm. so it's got a, a on the palate, it has a bit of dryness to it. Mm. And I'm just looking here at the SMV or the sake meter value, how sweet or dry a sake might come across. And this is a plus six, which oh. gets us just a hint on the drier side. And that really comes across on the palate. There's a lovely, engaging, dry character to the finish on this sake. But it has some body and weight to it. So it's not just dry and disappears. There's a little bit of riciness. And let's look at what the rices are for my sake. We have two... There's Yamada Nishiki, the king of sake rice, and also Hatan Nishiki, which we've talked about a lot in regards to Hiroshima, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So this prefecture, Yamaguchi, is very close to Hiroshima. Yeah, it's like a neighboring prefecture, if I'm not mistaken. That's absolutely right. So it 
makes sense that they would have access to some pretty darn good hatanishi. <laughs> so yeah, uh, we've got this combination of rices, really delicious. There's a nice depth here too. It's not just one note, not light. There's a dryness. It's got good body and uh, medium finish. So it it doesn't disappear too quickly, but it doesn't linger too much as well. Really nice medium finish as well. Hmm, uh, sounds this really a, well balanced. Yeah. And that note of minerality pervades this whole sake. So you really get a sense of this lovely depth of flavor and uh, really good structure, I'd say. Good structure to this sake too. Nice. And did you mention what the uh, milling rate was on this? This is a 60% remaining. Okay. So, so hmm. when we talk about tokubetsu, what makes something special? When a junmai sake is milled to 60%, uh, that could qualify for the next grade up, right? Mm -hmm. 60% could be a junmai genjo. So this sake, the Taka tokubetsu junmai, if it you know sold in Japan, could legally sell as a junmai genjo. But they're selling it as a junmai, so kind of one grade below what it could qualify for I see. and often when that's the case they sell it as a tokubetsu junmai or a special junmai and in in your case also you know using this using yamana ishiki in a junmai also could be something that would be construed as special perhaps yeah when a sake can qualify for a higher grade and it's sold as a lower grade and called tokubetsu then chances are very, very high. The reason they're employing that tokubetsu is because you're getting junmai ginjo quality in a junmai. Hmm. That makes sense. Excellent. Yeah. So, John, how about you? Do you want to give yours a try? I would love to. So, let me get this opened up. And give it a little pour. Uh, coincidentally, this is also mill to 60%. And uh, the back label, the English label, actually that this is being defined as karakuchi. So I believe we've talked about this in the past on the show. That basically is letting you know that they think is quite dry. <laughs> or that's what they're going for is quite dry. And the sake meter value on this goes to plus five. So just a hint shy of yours. So I'm expecting some similar uh, similar dryness. It's interesting that there's a, a nice hint of fruit on this, on the nose. It's not bowling over. It's not like, like Ginjo style fruit. But when you go looking, it's kind of hard to miss. It's in there. And a little bit of, uh, a little bit of that, that ethanol kind of accompanying it. The flavor is very, very interesting. It's, it is dry. Most of the tasting comes across really light, though. So it's dry and light, a little bit fruity, and it's got a nice kind of umami linger going on as you sip it. That's kind of something that you, that if you have more, more sips of it, it's kind of doubling up and tripling a little bit. Very nice. This is very interesting stuff. This rice, the, um, Tsuyu Hakaze, I don't see it a lot. Have you had any experience with that? No, it's not a common rice at all. Yeah. You need to look into that a little bit more. I don't know much about this at all. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm going to have to, uh, going to need to do a little bit of research on this because 
it looks like I only, at least in the States, I only know of two sakes that we get here that use this rice. And in a future episode, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But this is really a unique flavor. Like I said, a little bit dry, very you know dry and crisp in that way that when you describe like Nigata sake. But then there's this like really nice flood of umami and, and a hint of fruit. Really nice. It's... I don't want to say it's restrained all the way in the same way that Niigata is known for, but it is definitely flirting with that. And maybe it's like that with a little bit more punch to it. Very, very interesting combination of, uh, of qualities. Very nice. Yeah. And you know, our sakes actually have a lot in common. They do. Yeah. They're both Tokubetsu Junmai's milk to 60%. The alcohol percentage is... 15% for both. The acidities are both one point over 1.5, you're 1.9, and the sake I have, the taka, is 1.6. And they're both a hint on the drier side. You're plus five, I'm plus six. So they're very similar from the statistics, which is interesting. Um, and I think what ties them together being tokubetsu is that they are giving that junmai ginjo grade, but selling as a junmai. Right, right. You know, Listeners may be asking themselves, why, when you could sell it as a Junmai Ginjo, why would you sell it as a Junmai? Why would you technically, like, downgrade that level? I, th I think I have why, an idea why? here. <clears throat> Let's hear it. Uh, I don't know about yours, but I feel like this is a very, very food-friendly sake. And uh, this brewery in particular makes a wonderfully delicious Junmai Ginjo already, that is a little bit less food friendly. Like that is a sipping sake. And that's their, that is their premier Junmai Ginjo. So this being a food friendly sake, even though the milling would allow for it, saying like, no, 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 this is the one for food. I think that that's kind of what they're going for here, or at least that's my, that's in my head canon where I've decided. <laughs> um, and that's kind of yeah. that's where I'm at with this, I think. At least that's my thought on it. What do you think? Well, you're very close to what I was thinking, which is that, not necessarily that it's food friendly, mm. but that you may already have a Junmai Ginjo on the market. And if you're making another Junmai Ginjo, they can compete at the same level mm -hmm. and cannibalize each other's market. But if you make one of your Junmai Ginjos a Tokubetsu Junmai, it's like another category you can put the sake into that won't directly compete. Mm -hmm. So if you make if you're a brewery and you have two Junmai Ginjos on the market, then they may go up against each other. But if you make one of them a special Junmai, uh, it brings it into a different category, and that way you can have a, a broader appeal. In, in my case, for this one, I was thinking specifically about their Junmai Ginjo, which I know is a really good sipping sake. <laughs> Or at least in my head, I see it that way because I, I love to sip it. So I have a bit of a bias. But uh, with this one, I just think like I'm just thinking food is a very different flavor, a very different look from the brewery for this, uh, on this sake compared to their Jumai Ginjo offering. So I, I do like that they kind of separate it. I'm like, this is a different, this is a different thing. Um, and it's a great idea. And that's exactly what this term tokubetsu or special is all about. It gives brewers a way to differentiate a specific formulation of their sake and say, 
this is a special batch. You can also think of it, sometimes I, I say, like, think of it like a reserve, mm. you know, like a, this is a, a reserve batch or something special, different about this. It gives the brewers a wonderful way to say, oh, this is a unique formulation in some way. We've done something different or special to this batch. So that's a way they can call that out using this term tokubetsu. Yeah. So let's talk about food pairing. I, I've had your sake before, but not for a long time. So I'd really love to talk about what, what foods might pair really well with that. For mine, oh gosh, it's really got such good balance to it. And I think this is a super versatile sake. The one that I have, the Taka Noble Aero mm-hmm. Tokubetsu Junmai. I've um, had that as well, but not for quite a while. And mm-hmm. it, I, do, I agree with you. It is a, it is a versatile sake. I don't know. Uh, again, I haven't had it for quite a while, but uh, based on my own memories of the flavor, if I would if I would do go all spicy with it, but I think something mm-hmm. heavy it would really cooperate with. What do you think? So you know we're getting into the more autumnal months right now. Mm-hmm. It's getting a little bit chillier outside, and um, around this time of year, I'd love to eat things like roasted foods. So I think about roast chicken and root vegetables, you know, that very classic American dish of a roasted chicken. So good. And that type of roasted chicken with a little rosemary in there and then roasted root vegetables underneath, that type of dinner is one of my absolute favorites. And I think breaking this out with the the very light minerality here, the hint of dryness, but still the body and the structure would be a wonderful pairing with like American roast chicken. All right. Nice. I think that would be great. Yeah. I wish that I had waited to eat dinner until after I opened this because (laughs) so I ate, um, we had a hearty uh, meat sauce, a pasta, like a bolognese Mm. and it was like a veal pork uh, and, and uh, and beef blend ground, uh, you know, kind of ground meat into a, you know, into a sauce, and I want to go back and have that again <laughs> with this sake. Um, I can't, since I started tasting it, I can't stop thinking like, oh, that I had some wine with it, but I think this would go even better. I think this is this is going to be very friendly for that style of food. And we both, you know, it seems like we both have ideas towards. Uh, you mentioned that roasted chicken, so things that are a little bit heavy, very American. I want to say yes, which is yeah. great. I think it's you know it's. Um, Finding sake that, that, that pair really well with American food is wonderful. And, and ha- being able to go out and tell people like, oh, you don't need to be having Japanese food with your with your sake. You can have American food. Just make sure you pick the right food and the right sake. Absolutely. that That's a hurdle we went over a long time ago, yeah. I think, for, for you and me. Yeah. We always have sake in our homes, and I'm ready to get it out with just about anything we're cooking. And I'll be very happy when the rest of society catches up to us and <laughs> wants to have have that that g- bottle of sake ready to go with pretty much anything you're going to cook at home. Yeah. I'm getting hungry again. Yeah, it's, yes. I didn't eat that long ago, guys. This is it's just <laughs> <laughs> Well, this has been a very very special episode. Oh, uh, very a very tokobetsu episode. <laughs> very tokobetsu. <laughs> like Oh, like I need to take that one special. back. I'm sorry everybody. That was awful. <laughs> A very, very special episode of Sake Revolution. Yeah. All right. Well, I want to thank all of our listeners so much for tuning in. We really do hope that you're enjoying our show. You know, if you'd like to show your support for Sake Revolution, there's one way you can really help us out. 
And that would be to take a couple of minutes and leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts. It's really the best way for us to get the word out about our show. Please be sure to subscribe wherever you download your podcast so that our show will magically show up on your device of choice every single week when we release it. And as always, to learn more about any of the topics or any of the sakes we talked about in today's episode, be sure to visit our website, sakerevolution.com, to see all the detailed show notes. And if you have a suggestion for us or a sake question that you need answered, please reach out to us at feedback at sakerevolution.com because we want to hear from you. So until next time, please remember to keep drinking sake and come by. <laughs> keep it special. <laughs>